Welcome to Short Course, Episode 8, for March 23rd, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. I want to talk today about something that I've been thinking about for a while, and, and my views have evolved over time, and I'm sure they'll continue to evolve. And, and this isn't sort of my final word, but this is, this is a good snapshot of, of the way I think about it today. And that's the value of outlaw matches. And when I say outlaw matches, you know, from a pistol context, I mean anything that isn't USPSA. The reason I think this is worth talking about is within the sport, I see an attitude that is essentially USPSA is the best sport. It's the only sport you should shoot and doing anything else is a waste of time. And I I think I I used to believe that. I used to think, well, if you're going to do something, do it well, focus on that one thing, do it as best you can. If you try and split your time between two different things, then then you're just wasting your your focus and you're never going to make progress in either. And to a certain degree, I still think that's true. For example, I, I still wouldn't encourage somebody to to try and really practice and get good and become dominant at IDPA and USPSA. You'd have to focus on one, and however your performance shook out in the other would would just be what it is. So I don't think you can try and be competitive at, at two games at once, but I do think there's a lot of value in shooting more games than one and in having an ecosystem with more games than one. And I'm not just talking about IDPA here. This isn't a USPSA versus IDPA thing. I think what we really want is a, is a rich ecosystem of multiple, not necessarily national, outlaw rule sets or outlaw matches. You know, I think there is something to be said for having a match that is just whatever your local range wants to set up. And it's whatever the, the range owner, the match director, you know, thinks is interesting within the context of competitor equity and making sure to communicate changes and, and making sure that things are, are fair. But, you know, if you have a, a match director that wants to let, for example, 22s, you know, there's really not any sport out there where a nine-year-old can go with his dad and shoot a 22 at, a, at an action pistol match. I think IDPA at one point may or may not have had rules for this, or they allowed custom division, like a single custom outlaw division or something like that, which I think is a step in the right direction. But I, I think there's there's room in the hobby for that kind of thing. I think it would be good for the hobby, and I think it would be good for new shooters. So there's a lot here to unpack. I probably won't get to everything on this episode, and I'm sure I'll, I'll be talking about this again some more because I, I do think this is something that's that's important, both as a competitor and and for the the health of the sport. And ultimately, I think this idea that you know we we need to have one hobby that does everything for everybody is is just wrong. I, I think I think it's the rule set needs to specialize. And I think that's a good thing, but I think it, it, we need to acknowledge that and fill in the gaps that, that that rule set leaves open. And what I mean by that is that USPSA is, as far as I can tell, and should be a set of rules to adjudicate at the highest level a national champion. And you might think that, that what's the problem with that? But it's a sledgehammer, and you don't always need a sledgehammer. It is, it is very thorough. It's, it's got a lot of rules. USPSA is particularly heavy on equipment rules. People talk about IDPA having a lot of rules, and they do, but their rules are all mostly related to their stages and procedures, not so much the, the gear rules, which in IDPA are actually comparatively pretty simple, I think. So that's a good thing. USPSA is, is this fair set of rules that we use to try and determine the best, but, but it's overkill for a weeknight club match. Now, I'm not saying there shouldn't be USPSA weeknight club matches. If there's demand for that, fine, like run it, Cool, no, no problem. But I think that there's room in the hobby for something that is that is more laid back, that's more approachable, 
than than a full-on USPSA match. And the the thing that makes me think this is the fact that there is a match like that here locally. It's a it's an outlaw action pistol match. It's run twice a month in the evenings at a, a local indoor range. And if you don't look too close, you could actually be fooled into thinking that it that you're at a USPSA match. It's USPSA targets. They use the backside with the the white for no shoots. They don't paint the hands on them. And there are fault lines on the ground. So it, it it's roughly USPSA-ish. But there, there are no divisions. Everybody just shoots heads up. It's time plus scoring. And most stages just have a mandated reload. And so they just say, you know, some somewhere during the stage, do a reload. And so that, you know, just makes you practice the reload without them having to build 20-round stages to, to force your gun to empty. Other than that, the, the rules are... Pretty much have a safe holster, you know, follow the, the standard safety rules, but that's that's pretty much it. And the nice thing about that is the the match that's grown up around it is a really interesting hodgepodge of you'll get some people who will show up and shoot it like it's an IDPA match and they'll wear their vest or they might skip the vest but shoot to slide lock and have all their mags have 10 in them. And this this wide open rule set essentially lets them make that the match into into whatever they they want it to be and then other people you know will show up and shoot a uspsa limited gun and basically run it like it's a uspsa stage and there's also no provision in the rules for holster location or anything like that and so as long as you're safe and you don't point the gun at yourself you're allowed i wouldn't say encouraged but you're allowed to shoot your carry gear from a, a carry holster, including an appendix holster. And, and I normally concealed carry an appendix. And so that's actually the one match where I'll go and actually shoot my carry gear the way I actually carry it. And so that's kind of nice. And and so by being this, this fair but low rules environment, what it allows is the match to be sort of something for everyone. It honestly is the place where I would send a, a new shooter because it's four stages, each one no more than 20 rounds. And so two boxes of ammo, you need your gun, a holster, one magazine, one mag pouch. It's it's a great place to get started. The stages are very straightforward. They tend to be, you know, there, there aren't a lot of gotchas. It's an indoor range, and so there's not a lot of place to really hide targets and that sort of thing. And so it's it's a it's good for the hobby to have an on-ramp like that. And, and the fact that you really, if you tried to run an, a USPSA match that way, I don't think people would really like it because that's not what USPSA is about. USPSA has a different flavor. And so I think that for the hobby, for having that on-ramp, for having the ability to have some form of competition that different people can use for different purposes, I think that's a good thing. And then for competitors, I think it's a it's a good thing. Even for a seasoned competitor like me, like I will go shoot that match, not because I am seriously worried about winning it or not winning it or, or my performance, but it's a chance to get some trigger time. I can shoot it like it's a USPSA stage, which actually given the the time plus scoring they use is one second per point down and has been since before IDPA made their rule change. Since, since the scoring is so penalizing, I actually usually shoot more Charlies than would be optimal for that scoring system, but I'm mostly usually shooting these stages like they're USPSA stages. And the match just has this great pick up basketball kind of feel it's because the the rules are so open and the results aren't nobody's really taking it super seriously as a match because they understand that there's a wide variance in gear and skill level and it's it's not a recognized competition it's not a recognized rule set everybody just has they just have a better time with it it's more fun but in a in a productive way it's not just you know shooting beer cans in the backyard kind of fun it's 
productive fun in a way that everybody can get something out of it. And I think possibly more importantly, you you will see people at this match shooting together that you never would otherwise see shooting together. And I think from a social standpoint, I think that's a good thing. I know I tend to be much more social at, at that match than I would at an average USPSA match just because I tend to shoot these tough USPSA matches that, that I'm really trying to do well at. And so the ability to have a match that I can go and shoot on a weeknight when otherwise, at best, I would be dry firing, I, I wouldn't be shooting any other match, it's a, it's a good opportunity. Why, is this, why, is this a, why does this match work particularly well? Well, I think there's a couple things. So the, the time plus scoring is, it's very straightforward, it's easy to administer, and it's also easy for newbies to pick up. And at the same time, even in a, in a time plus setting, the best shooters are going to come out on top. You don't need hit factor. You don't need the complexity of hit factor for just a, like I say, a, a pickup basketball kind of game. Now, I think hit factor is very useful for adjudicating national champions because the mathematics of it actually reward smaller and smaller improvements as you get better and better. And so for differentiating guys that are very similar in skill levels that are at the top of a nationals, I think hit factor is a good tool for that. But you don't need it for, for a local match. You just don't. In I'm not saying you shouldn't use it. It's fine if you want to, but it's not necessary. And I think the the criticism of it as being overly complicated and hard to understand for new shooters is, is valid. I don't think that we should stop using it for that reason. I think there are plenty of, of scoring systems that are more new shooter friendly, but for for the, the stated purpose of USPSA and hit factor scoring, I think it does its job. So time plus scoring is good. It's fine. The, the low and, and wide open equipment rules, I think, work really well because it lets people shoot all kinds of different things. It lets a, a wider variety of, of guns come and play. And it lets different people do different things with the match. And by, having, by not even having a semblance of divisions, there's, there's no facade of competitive equity. It's just, it's just everybody just shooting for fun and the, the scores shake out the way they do. And it's a small enough match that if somebody's shooting an open gun or something, then everybody, the word kind of gets around and people will know that and, and they can sort of apply whatever handicapping they want to that score at, at dinner afterwards as everybody's talking over what happened. And and so it's, it's very social in that way. And I think, again, for the sport, I think building those, those kinds of social bonds is a very good thing. Because I tend, at least in the matches I shoot, they tend to be very focused and very competitive in part of that might be the area I shoot in part of that might be my style part of that might be the squads that I shoot on but the days when you'd go to a match and there would be a big shooter's brief and everybody would hang out and chat for half an hour beforehand and people would stick around after the match was over and chat where they picked up brass or or do you know match bucks and and actually have people waiting for the scores to be posted those days are gone People, they show up, they know what, they, they, they sign up on practice score, they know what bay they're going to start on, they go straight to that bay, they shoot their stage, and then they pack up and go home and they check the scores on practice score on the drive home. And, you know, I can't fault people for doing that, especially when it's a long eight-stage club match and they've driven two or three hours to get there, or they have, you know, somewhere to be and they're tired and they want to get home. Like, I, I can't say that that's a bad thing and we, should, we shouldn't let people do that. But there is a certain level of sociability that that is missing from matches like that that I think is not necessarily helpful to the sport and I think having people have a chance to sort of build those bonds and find people like them people to shoot with and practice buddies and and have that ability that that common time in a more laid-back setting is a good thing 
And I think taking away the divisions and taking away the idea of trying to enforce, you know, some sense of, of fairness in the scoring system. Now, obviously, I think everybody should be scored the same and everybody should be run through the stages with the same rules. I, I want that kind of fairness at the match. But, you know, trying to handicap people by putting them in different classes and different divisions by sort of removing that, you free people up to just shoot. Because I, I think there is a fundamental tension between trying to have a match that is, on the one hand, fair and accurate, and a match, on the other hand, that is realistic and, and fun and actually reflects shooting the guns that people shoot. And for a long time, I think IDPA actually filled the niche of what I'm talking about a lot better because it was possible to to show up to an IDPA match and just bring pretty much whatever gun you have and a couple mags and, and go shoot it. And I, I think you still can do that if, if you have the right IDPA match near you. It's it's relatively low gear rules. Obviously, there, there are some issues with the, the stage procedure rules and, and the complexity therein. But at least people can, can show up and participate. And the nice thing about IDPA is the stages aren't going to be longer than 18 rounds. You'll probably have one reload during it. And they tell you how to shoot the stage, for the most part. I actually think that, that the, the direction that IDPA has been trending in the last couple of years where they've been trying to make it more fair and more have more competitive equity in the fault lines instead of the subjective cover calls. I think that it's making it more like USPSA, which in my opinion actually makes it less useful for, for what it's meant to be, which is a place to just show up and shoot your carry gear. I think that by what is, in, in my estimation, trying to make the rules a better rule set for adjudicating a nationals and, and being more of a fair sport, they're, they're actually getting away from the, to me, the usefulness of IDPA, which is having that place where you can go and just shoot your carry gun or or shoot something off the beaten path and just have fun, shoot with your buddies, not be super competitive, and just enjoy the match. You know, I, I will shoot a USPSA match and I will put as much work as is required to be competitive into it, but that's a lot of work. And I don't necessarily want to do that every match. Having a place to just show up and, and shoot in a relatively fair setting with some buddies is, is I think, a good thing. And fundamentally, I don't think there's really a way to instill that into the USPSA rule set without drawing it away from its its core purpose, which, as I've said, is to adjudicate a national and world champion in the case of, of IPSC. That's, that's what those rules are built for. And the idea that, that we need to use those rules for everything, it doesn't make sense to me. There's a, another club around here that's started doing their own outlaw match. And they actually, they explicitly, they, they'll reuse their USPSA stages, change the, the stages to be a little bit easier, whether it's the target presentations, the difficulty, or the, just the fault lines, the, the level of leans required and that sort of thing. And they score it three-gun style, so it's two hits anywhere on brown and the target's neutralized. And by all reports, it's, it's a big success with that particular group of new shooters, with people who you know don't necessarily have the, the background in competitive shooting and, and want to just have a place to get started. And they can graduate to USPSA once they have a couple reps on their, under their belt. Because, I mean, at least the USPSA matches I shoot, I, I cannot recommend them as a starting place for most people. It's going to be six, seven, eight hours. It's, you're going to shoot seven or eight stages. You're going to shoot at least 200 rounds, which when you're first getting into competitive shooting, I mean, 200 rounds is, is a lot. I mean, that might be as much as you shoot in a month or two. You know, inside the hobby, it's very easy for us to, to lose sight of these things. But for people who are buying factory ammo and they have a $500 Glock and 
they they just want to go shoot a match having the minimum requirement if they don't you know if they go one for one on steel having the minimum requirement be 150 rounds is i think it's i think it's a little prohibitive and that's not saying that we should dumb down USPSA i think USPSA is what it should be and should continue to to focus on that niche but around that i think there is room for for other outlaw matches and the, these other outlaw matches they can experiment with other stuff they can try different scoring systems whether it's this neutralized non-neutralized system or some kind of time plus or something like the scoring system that gadba introduced when they split from idpa where they actually had this target where you depending on the scoring zone that you hit you needed like you only needed one hit in the middle or two hits in the c zone or three in the d or something it was something like that and then they had a different size a zone for major versus minor and looking at it it looked to me like it was going to be a scoring nightmare and a, a not a good idea but the fact that they ran it that they had targets made and they had ROs brought up to to know how to score that and and see how the community works i think that's a good thing i think that kind of experimentation is how we continue to improve i think trying new things in a in a in a separate sort of offshoot of the main sport i think is is a good thing because it lets you try something see if it works and if it doesn't then maybe that offshoot just sort of withers and dies i actually i I mean i I don't know what the status of gadpa is but i hope they're doing well i hope that the scoring system worked for them and i hope there's something we can learn from it because ultimately that's that's the only way that that we're going to continue to improve the sport is is to have that kind of incremental improvement and trying things out i mean that, that was the whole idea of having provisional divisions for carry optics and pcc and honestly at this point i think both of those are good additions to the sport i think both of those add something interesting clearly the participation is there and so i think adding them as this sort of experimental provisional division yeah that was one way to, to do it I, I don't think there was really ever any doubt that that they wouldn't be approved into full divisions but at least giving people the warning label that hey this division could change at any time you know, was a good thing. It, it opened up the rule book to allow experimentation in a way that's fundamentally distinct from what we would want with a division that's 20 years old. And so having that dichotomy, having that, that difference, that, that ability to say, okay, here's kind of where the, the, the weird experimental stuff happens. And if it works, we'll pull it into the main rule set. I think that's a good thing. I think that keeps the sport trying new stuff but without having to change the way nationals works every year. I mean, that, that's what that's what IDPA is running into right now, right? Is they've put out so many new rule books that when you go each year, you don't if you if you're trying to be competitive at a big match like nationals, it's not going to be the same rules that you used last year. And I think stability of rules is actually one of the huge benefits of USPSA. I think USPSA should change slowly because it's such a proven formula. And so we need these these outlaw matches out there experimenting and trying things and saying, you know, how does it work to have red dots on pistols? And I'm sure there have been matches that allowed that for years. You could have been shooting that at, at this indoor weeknight match, this this outlaw action pistol match I'm talking about. You could have been shooting that for at least five years before it was ever allowed in IDPA or USPSA. And some people did. I actually, now that I think about it, there was a guy shooting a dual illumination RMR, gosh, probably three or four years ago at a match and and it actually it was really he he found it a really useful experience because the range was dim enough that the fiber light gathering didn't gather enough light to light up the dot and the tritium didn't put out enough light so that with the brightly lit targets that that he couldn't actually see very well with that dual illumination rmr and he actually by being able to take the gear to this situation 
in this outlaw match, before he could have taken it to a USPSA match, before he could have taken it to an IDPA match, he was able to to run it, evaluate it, see if he liked it, understand the pros and cons of it, and just get out and shoot something that, that he otherwise wouldn't be able to go shoot. And so, you know, I like I say, I think there is there is a place for USPSA. I think it has a clear purpose, and I think it should continue to focus on that purpose. But I think there there are gaps around it. I think there are other things that that we can have an ecosystem of sports where you you know, something like a, a minor league and a major league, you know, you start in the outlaw match where no, there's no classification system. And once you get serious and you start winning or being competitive at that match, you bump up and start shooting USPSA, that kind of thing. And I, I think it's better to have an ecosystem of these different sports so that as one sport, it, whether it changes or, or becomes less relevant or less useful, you know, something else can rise up and take its place instead of just really having this, this kind of duopoly of IDPA and USPSA and anything else is, is kind of out there. I think having a lot of matches, different matches and different rule sets all over the country. I, I don't think that's a problem because if you're not going to travel very far for the match, it doesn't really matter if the rule set is is published or not. It's a matter of whether or not you can go to the match on a regular basis and learn that match's rules and whether the people that the regulars at that match know the rules and can communicate it to the new shooters. The only reason you need a rule book is if you're going to travel across the country to go shoot a nationals in somewhere that's unfamiliar. Not every match needs to have a nationals. I mean, I think I think that that's that's part of it too, but that's a different topic for another episode. That wraps up this episode of Short Course. Thanks for listening. You can find me on Facebook at Ben Barry Shooting and Instagram at BS Barry. I post my match videos on YouTube at YouTube.com/slash Ben Barry USPSA. My blog is at BarryShooting.com. If you'd like to get an email when I put up a new blog post, you can join the mailing list there. If you want to be the first to know when I open registration for a new class, check the classes box when you sign up for the mailing list. If you have a question or you just want to tell me something, you can email me at podcast at Talk to you next time.